I'm going to start with a game. I don't know if you've played this. It's called Bean Boozled. And uh, Jelly Belly came out with this idea that maybe the, uh, the riskier parts of us would want to take a chance. And so they have created some jelly beans that do not taste good at all. And they've made them look exactly like jelly beans that taste great. And so today I need six volunteers who are willing... Dayon, come on up here. I need five more. Just, just, just come on up. Just come on up. And so today what, you're going to be just choosing... Well done. Good volunteers here. I might have... I could find a seventh. Nope, I got six. No, 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 no. I have learned not to take chances. Okay, so I've got these jelly beans all look identical, but some of them will be tasting like strawberry banana smoothie and others like dead fish. So go ahead, choose. I am in no way influencing. You're doing your, your best. Well done. Don't eat them yet. Don't eat them yet. Hold on to them. There we go. So, this is like life. Uh, if you go through life apart from the guidance of the Spirit of God, you're just doing your best to choose where real abundant life can be found. And oftentimes, it takes you uh, into some very unflavorful places. So, here we go. Uh, on the count of three, you're going to pop them in your mouth. And we'll see the reaction. One, two, three. Did you choose wisely? You'll want this one. That's a dead fish? Yeah, you don't have to eat the whole thing. This is a wise man. He quickly realizes and says, I'm going to repent and turn. We got a dead fish. I got some kind of vegetable flavor? Vegetable flavor. That's dead fish. It might be dead fish. I've never eaten a dead fish, so. Okay, so this is the guy who's like, maybe sin isn't that bad for me. <laughs> What you got over there? No, it's terrible. Dead fish as well, huh? But you're going to endure it. A lot of people, that's the way they live their lives. They're like, I'm miserable. Sin's not taking me good places. Bitter fruit. It wasn't a good strawberry? Oh, no. Wait, nobody's having fun around here. How about you? Good tasting. Well done. And? Strawberry banana. Well done over here. Okay, give them a round of applause. Thank you, thank you. So we are starting a new series titled The Nine Flavored Life, taken from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Galatians, in which he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. And that's a tasty life. I mean, who in the world doesn't want those qualities to characterize his life. I certainly do. Most people, Christian, non-Christian alike, would say, sign me up. Of course I want more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in my life. And yet so few people would say, you know what, that's me most of the time. Why not? Well, the Bible says it's because so often we... Uh, satisfy the desires of the flesh rather than the desires of the Spirit. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Galatians chapter 5. 
And we're going to be in this text, this is our, our primary text for the entire series. Of course, we'll be launching off to other places in the Bible. But in Galatians chapter 5, we're told that there is essentially a war going on. There are two voices constantly clamoring for our attention. One of them is the voice of the Spirit of God, and the other is the voice of our flesh. And they're both asking to be satisfied, and they're both claiming to lead us to life abundant. And we can't satisfy both. It's either or. We must choose who will we believe, who will we follow, who will we satisfy. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, Paul writes, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. Who will we let in control of our lives? The flesh, will we do it our way or will we do it God's way? I want to start here with a story. Dave Johnson uh, shares his story online at Cruz website. I tossed and turned in bed. I kept asking myself, if Christianity is really true, why hasn't my life changed more? I was 20 years old living in a dorm at Stanford University. My dreams were coming true to go to a great university where I could get a great job and make a million dollars. But the foundations of my life were shaking. After being challenged by Marxist ideas on campus, I'd spent the last four months reading, talking, and thinking about Christianity, struggling over whether or not it's true. And I'd concluded, yes, indeed it is true. I do believe it. But then I couldn't sleep. Why is the Christian life so difficult? Why don't I have more joy and peace? When I was 12 years old, I'd very sincerely accepted Jesus Christ. But I thought the Christian life was about being good. So I tried as hard as I could and failed. I tried and tried but failed miserably. I lusted after girls. I was unable to control my temper and I worried constantly. I worried so much I'd bite my fingernails down until they bled. I kept telling God, I'm going to change, but I never could. So even though I decided that Christianity is true, I was still disappointed. Well, I guess this is the Christian life. Being defeated, frustrated, and hanging on hoping to get to heaven in the end. But still I prayed for God to show me if there were something I was missing. Well, Paul says what he was missing was the leading of the Holy Spirit in his life. Yes, he was a Christian, but he was satisfying the desires of the flesh too often. And the desires of the flesh do not produce the fruit of the Spirit. The desires of the flesh produce the fruit of the flesh. And that's not good. So turn and look at verse 19, because Paul talks about where the flesh, when we follow its lead, when we give the flesh control of our lives, where it leads us. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, 
sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Now, no one starts out saying, ooh, I want some dissension and some rivalry and some division in my life. I want to have fits of anger and jealousy and strife and, and sensuality and drunkenness. No, people don't start out there. They get there. That's where the flesh takes us. Now, who is the flesh? The flesh is me. And the flesh sounds very reasonable to my unregenerate mind. Because it's my best way, apart from God, to find happiness. Ever since Adam and Eve reached out, took the fruit, the forbidden fruit, and ate it, ever since Adam and Eve bought into the lie that they would be better off doing things their way and not listening to God, ever since they swallowed Satan's lie that God was holding out on them and they knew best what they needed, ever since then, humans have had a, uh, a sin principle. Sometimes we call it the sin nature. Here it's talked about as the flesh. This, this tendency to pursue, pursue life apart from God and without regard for his laws. This independent I'm going to figure it out. I've got desires that need to be satisfied, and if I satisfy them, I will be happy. And most people, most of the time, satisfy the desires of the flesh. They let the flesh call the shots rather than the Spirit of God. And it does not produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. It produces this other list of brokenness. The flesh... When we follow its lead, it produces brokenness in our lives always. Not immediate, but that's where it takes us. The immediate uh, often uh, satisfies for a moment. Looks super reasonable. And so here's how it, how it works. Uh, in a Christian's life, the Christian knows, you know, should know God's commands. And so the Christian says, okay, I know... Well, I should say the flesh says, I know that God says, don't lie. But in this particular situation, if I lie, I will escape the consequences of my sin. I won't have to pay for my mistake. That's got to be the good thing for me. I know the Bible says, don't be angry. Don't manipulate people with your, uh, with your anger. But... With this particular person, they don't seem to, to, to listen to anything else. They won't act. They won't change. They won't respond until I get angry. So in this situation, got to make an exception. I know the Bible says that I'm supposed to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. But my family is just feeling a financial pinch right now. And uh, we haven't had a vacation in for like ever and if I can just, just this time, fudge my taxes a little bit, you know what? That'll give us some more breathing room. We can take that vacation. That'd be, I'd be a better parent. I'll be a better spouse. 
just this time. I know, I know the Bible says we're supposed to wait until we're married to live together and enjoy each other, but we've got a good thing going on, and frankly, doesn't it make more sense to try each other out? I mean, we don't want to get married and find out we're, you know, incompatible. And so let's do a little test drive, and that way we, you know, that way we will, uh, maybe we will not have to divorce, and that would be a good thing. See how it goes? It, the flesh's reasoning makes total sense to my unregenerate mind. And in fact, God's reasoning, the direction of the spirit, so often it makes no sense. What do you mean I'm supposed to turn the other cheek? What, I have to forgive this person? If I, but then who's going to make them pay? What if they just do it to me again? Why am I having to just save myself? I, the, the, the person I want to marry hasn't come around yet. And God's way so often doesn't make sense in the moment. But it leads, it always leads to producing the fruit of the Spirit. And so, boy, how, how do we say yes to the Spirit of God and no to the flesh when the flesh's call is so immediate? And, and so, in a sense, so rational. And frankly, we, that's the way we've always done it. And life has kind of somewhat worked out for us, right? Well, it comes down to whether or not we trust God. It, it, it has to do with faith. Do I believe that God knows better than I do what is good for me? Do I believe that the creator of the universe actually cares about me, loves me, and is trying to steer me into the abundant life? It really comes down to how do I view God and do I trust him or not? So let's go back to Brandon's, uh, Dave's story. So... David prayed, God, am I missing something? And what God showed Dave was that he, he was not letting the Spirit of God lead his life. The next morning, on my way to campus, so he, he repents of this and says, all right, I'm going to try to do this moment by moment, day by day. The next morning on my way to campus, I prayed, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, live your life through me. Three minutes later, I can't remember if I lusted after some girl or got angry at some guy, but I sinned. And God brought it to my attention. Okay, thanks, Lord. So then I had to do my part. Right away I prayed, take control of my life again. Fill me with your spirit. I kept going on to class. Two minutes later, bam, I sinned again. I exhaled and inhaled. And, and by that he's, he means by exhaling, God, that's wrong. I don't. I don't want to do that. I know that doesn't produce life. <sighs> Inhale. Fill me with your spirit. I recommit myself to letting you be in control. So now he's had to do this in the span of five minutes, twice. A couple of times in class I had bad thoughts about the professor or the homework assignment, and the Lord convicted me of that. <sighs> breathing out, breathing in. The next day this was the same. I was pretty miserable for quite a while. But about four or five days after, uh, later, I noticed hey, I'm needing to, to 
confess and uh, ask God to fill me less often. Then it became a pattern of my life over the next weeks and months. Four months later, I was in the library studying for finals. I looked down at my hands and noticed my fingernails need to be cut. And as far as I can remember, that was the first time in my life I ever needed to cut my fingernails. As I looked at my hands, I started to cry, and I thought, God, this is proof that you are changing my life. Today's message is pretty simple. Who are we going to let call the shots in our lives? Are we going to satisfy the, the desires of the flesh or be led by the Spirit? It's a choice we make uh, one time and then every day, moment by moment. It's an everyday, moment by moment, uh, in the trenches decision. And those decisions... When we begin to let the Lord lead our lives, then his fruit is produced within us. I want to point out four different ways Paul uh, talks about letting, God, uh, letting the Spirit be in control in your life. In verse 16, he, Paul says, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. May the power of the Spirit animate your life. May his life be uh, energizing you, animating you. Verse 8, 18. If you are led by the Spirit, if that means the Spirit is in front and you are following. The Spirit is taking, you are just going where the Spirit is taking you. Uh, then in verse 22. Live by the Spirit. And then also in 22, keep in step with the Spirit. Match your pace to the Spirit's pace. All, all uh, different ways of saying, let the Spirit of God be in control of your life. Let the Spirit of God um, just take over. <laughs> and it's not some uh, a nebulous spiritual thing. It, it is, what it is, is, is it's Surrender. See, the fruit of the Spirit is not produced in our lives through effort. It's produced through surrender. But surrender is active, make no mistake. It's not a passive thing. It's an, it's an active choice of the will to say yes to God and no to the flesh and say, I'm going to let you be in control. I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to follow your, follow your commands. And when we do that, Moment by moment, day by day, week after week, year after year, the fruit of the Spirit is produced, and, and it becomes characteristic of our lives. And it's pretty awesome, which is why the tagline for the series is, the fruit of the Spirit tastes great. That's the life we want. That's true, abundant life. And so each week during this series, we're going to look at one of the fruits of the Spirit. And we're going to talk about how to cultivate it in our life. So this is a lot more than just we're going to learn some good things. It's a call to action, or it's a call to surrender, to active surrender. Uh, I hope you have a bulletin. On the back of the bulletin is a prayer John Stott used to pray. John Stott, he's uh, passed now, but uh, he's from Great Britain and uh, was a... Um, 
a world-renowned theologian, and many who knew him said the most spiritual man they knew, the most Christ-like person they knew. And here is John Stott's uh, everyday prayer. And I'm challenging us to pray this every day during this series. Uh, I've, I've started on it, and I'm actually getting down on my knees. I haven't done that for a long time. The Russians did that. When I was a missionary in Russia, my knees hurt because they're always getting down, man. Let's pray. Let's get prayed. And uh, then they would stay down there a long time. How do they do this? But okay, so I've been getting down on my knees and praying this prayer. Here it is. We're going to pray it all together, and then I encourage you to take this home and join me in praying. Heavenly Father, I pray that this day I may live in your presence and please you more and more. Lord Jesus, I pray that this day I may take up my cross and follow you. Holy Spirit, I pray that this day you will fill me with yourself and cause your fruit to ripen in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this time with uh, my beloved brothers and sisters. And Lord, for those who um, are just considering a relationship with you. Uh, I pray, Spirit of God, that you would open their eyes to see that you are good. May they see how much love you have for them, a love so great that you sent Jesus, your one and only Son, to come to earth and live a perfect life and then die upon the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. And then, Spirit of God, you broke, uh, burst Jesus forth from the grave, and that same Spirit lives in us so that we too can have the hope of eternal life. When our bodies die, Spirit of God, you will bring us back to life to live forever with you in heaven. And that's awesome. May that hope uh, animate our lives. And Spirit, uh, we want your fruit produced in us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.